This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. It's Wednesday. It means we're talking an NBA on this podcast, and one of my favorite NBA people, TV star Sean Hyken, is here. Sean, good evening. <laughs> How are you, sir? It's good to talk to you, Chase. TV star is maybe a little bit strong, but uh, yeah, I've I've I have appeared on television like in that. my life. Like, nice little humble brag. I've appeared on television. No, Sean, own it, man. You're good. You're good at what you do, and you should be on TV more. That's very nice of you to say. I mean, if if if, if anybody wants to pay me money to be on TV more, I'm I'm certainly not gonna yeah. turn um, that down. There you go. So pay Sean to be on your TV show. That's that's where we're at right now in this podcast because he's good. He knows what he's doing. He's better than I would be. Like like we said, I I just it never looks comfortable to me. And part of the reason, like I don't like doing in person podcasts, is I don't like staring at someone for like 45 minutes straight. I it, it's always been a thing for me. I'm not good at <laughs> eye contact at all. See, see, I'm the opposite. I I much prefer doing stuff in person when, when it comes to podcasts, just because, you know, back when I used to do Locked on Bulls, Cody and I would always do it. He would come over to my apartment. We always do it in person because, you know, when you're when you're with, uh, you know, when, you, when you're in the same room with somebody that you're recording with, you know, when like somebody wants to make a point and you maybe want to fall back and let them jump in to you can like there's always like nonverbal stuff that you can kind of pick up on, like if somebody seems like they want to talk or if somebody is really passionate about something you can like see what you know the look on their faces that they really you know have somewhere they want to go with this and you can kind of sit back and let them go or you can indicate to them more easily that you are like really wanting to go off on like it's it's a lot easier to me but i guess everybody kind of has different things yeah. that work for them um it just i i don't i don't know man like I, i'm a very independent kind of like i think i come off because i do a podcast and all this kind of stuff that people assume that i'm an extrovert but I'm very, very introverted. And generally speaking, most of my day is with earbuds in and I'm minding my own business, reading stuff, doing my like I'm not I'm not amazing at interpersonal skills is what I'm suggesting here. So even though I do host a podcast and I talk to people on a weekly basis, part of the reason that I love the podcast medium over 
um, TV and even radio where you're sitting next to your co-host all the time and you make eye contact and you sit like that. It, that gives me anxiety because I have a, like anxiety is a huge thing for me and it just it's never really worked. I did it one in-person podcast and I hated it, hated it. Did not enjoy it at all. I felt like I was being watched the whole time. I did. I my I was nervous, and I could tell I was nervous the way I was saying things. It's it's very weird. It's I I don't know how to describe it, but I wish I was more normal in that regard because I just I love being in my office and just having no one around and just can kind of look around and think and uh, talk to really smart people all over the world and um, not have to look them in the eye. That's that's <laughs> that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah so that that's where we're at so people learn i i've never really divulged that much into my um personality types and stuff like that on this podcast before but sean you brought it out of me so there you go yeah there we go there is a lot of nba stuff going on a lot of nfl stuff going on but something that has caught my because i think i don't know where you've always stood on this but i think the universal opinion on Kimball Walker has been it would be a mistake for Charlotte to give him $40 million a year and to max him out the summer and everything else and do all that but it felt like a foregone conclusion with Michael Jordan and like Kimba already being probably the best uh, Charlotte Hornet of all time and he can retire like that and they haven't had great luck in the lottery they are one pick away from Anthony Davis and got Michael Kidd Gilchrist instead there are all kinds of reasons as to why this team um, would just invest in Kimba and keep getting those playoff checks and all that kind of stuff. Like you can understand the business side of that. Um, but then again, you're just like, do you really like the, the like, it's just, it's always been complicated. Cause you're like, do you really want to do this? Like, is it really, Kimba's a really good player and I really like Kimba. And then I've talked to people in the league and he holds a lot more power than I think a lot of people would um, believe Kimba Walker holds in that organization and he is the centerpiece of that group he's the guy the closer he's um, I think part of the reason they're kind of terrible in close games and they've had this awful luck in close games over the years that have has really just defined their their seasons the last couple Matt Moore has done great uh, chronological research on this and how unlucky this team is in close games but Um, part of it, I do think falls back on Kimba and the way he plays and the amount of, um, just attention he gets and all that kind of stuff. But I see this report today that like the Mavs are linked to, to, um, Kimba and that he's actually not a foregone conclusion to resign in Charlotte and just take the money, which would be another player to passing up an insane amount of money to go somewhere else. And it's caught me off guard because I really thought Kimba would just be like, yeah, I'll take the money. I'm happy here. This, this city treats me like a superstar. Um, there's no expectations. There's no pressure. Um, I get to be the best Hornet of all time and I can retire, get my number in the rafters, all that great stuff. But maybe that's not what he wants anymore. Maybe he does go finally. He's like, you know what? I want to play an important playoff basketball and he, he moves on. What, what do you think about Kimba Walker no longer being a sure thing to return to Charlotte next season? Well, the thing you have to keep in mind always with this kind of stuff is there's always somebody who has an interest in that leaking whenever something like that leaks. I don't know whether, you know, Kemba Walker, I don't really know anybody in his camp. I don't really know any Hornets people, so I can't really speak to what his plans are or what their plans are. But my read on it just from afar, 
I'm sure the Mavericks would love to sign him, and I actually think that makes sense as a as a fit. You know, you put him next to Luca. You know, that's a pretty good backcourt. And then you you know, if if you have Porzingis healthy, like I, he makes sense as a guy for a team like that to go after. Honestly, if you're the Lakers, or you're you know, you, since you're not going to get any of the big names, that's I I think a guy who would fit well next to LeBron too. But I I have to wonder if the leak of he, oh he's not a sure thing to return to Charlotte. I have to wonder if that's maybe them putting that out there. His his side putting that out there. I and I not pretending to know who anybody's source is, but I have to wonder if they're putting that out there just to put the pressure maybe on Charlotte a little bit to say, hey, you better offer that full five-year max. You better put all that money on the table or else or he's not going to give a hometown discount. expecting Charlotte to do that? Why would they do that? Mitch Kupchak, the guy who gave out Timofey Moskov and Luol Deng their contracts a couple years ago, do we really think there'd be any, any hesitancy from Michael Jordan and Mitch to give him that full max? You don't know. I mean, they just want to make sure everybody's on the same page about that. Now, I want to I want to push back on something else, too. I understand, you know, in a vacuum where people are coming from when it comes to, oh, you know, do you really want to be paying Kemba Walker 40 million dollars a year? I don't think it would be a terrible idea for them to just pay him the money and keep him around long term, because if you're like, look at the rest of the Hornets roster like it they're going to be fine once some of those other deals like Batum and uh, Marvin Williams Cody and Zeller. whoever else. Those when, those when those guys all come. Sure, yeah. When all those guys come off the books, they're going to be fine. And it's a lot easier to rebuild when you have one guy where you're like, okay, we know what this guy is. This guy is an, an all-star level guy. He's, a, he's, he's the face of the franchise. We have that guy. The Hornets are, if, if, they, if they let go of uh, Kemba Walker, what do they have? They're, they're still probably not going to be quite bad enough to really get, you know, a bottom out and really get like a bottom five pick in the draft and have that, and, you know, and, you know, go that route. So why, especially, you know, you're a small market team and I know Michael Jordan owns them and they have a little bit of cash with that, but they aren't, they, they're not a team that gets free agents that really gets, uh, you know, it, it is in the mix for any of these big names. If you have a guy like that and he seems like he's happy there, he wants to stay it's the same thing. I mean, I'm I'm here in Portland, uh, and you know, Damian Lillard. Thus far, he's two or so years out from actually hitting free agency, but he's given every indication that he wants to stay in Portland long term. And there's, you know, it's the same conversation. Do you really want to pay Damian Lillard the supermax? To me, yeah, you do, because when you have a guy who's that good, who you know represents the organization on the court and off the court the way that he does, and he wants to be there, and you're a team like the Blazers or the Hornets that doesn't get free agents to the level that maybe a team like the Lakers or Knicks or whoever else does. I don't think you can just let him go because the salary cap would would be what it was. Like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a team like Charlotte to be be, you know, at least, you know, be in the mix for the playoffs. Like that's going to keep them more relevant than, you know, bottoming out and just being terrible and having absolutely nothing going for it. That's that I I, kind of push back against kind of the conventional wisdom when it comes to stuff like that. I think there is an avenue to this like there's something nice about just sustained success and just um being a playoff team year after year and having this player like Kemba and paying him and then you know he seems like someone that other guys around the league respect and want to play with and you never like their thing is they're not going to get it's like it's it's like it's like the Hawks it's like you know the Hawks yeah. like the Joe Johnson Al Horford there's Paul Millsap there it's like I, I Millsap was a little later but like it's like those it's like it's like those Hawks team. I, I I don't like this idea that, and I mean I I understand it from like the mathematical standpoint of you know it was smart for the Sixers to do what they did in this situation because they got a bunch of high lottery picks. But I don't like this idea that anybody every team should either be 
the Warriors or they should be trying to tank and get yes. and get a top five draft pick. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a team like Portland or a team like Memphis during those grit and grind years. Were those Memphis teams ever going to win a title? No. But if you ask any Memphis fan, I think they'd rather have a team where they can say, OK, this team has an identity. Thought both were getting traded right before the deadline. Like they they clearly just love those dudes and they do not give a shit that they will never win a title. Like that's totally fine with them. Well, right. Well, right. The, the the calculus is different because if you're you know, if you're one of these teams, like like I'm sure the Memphis fans feel great. Right. Like they wouldn't do anything different with Maybe that. Like, pay they, Parsons, I don't I don't they, think they, they would go back. Not to do that. <laughs> well, okay. But by then the run, the whole run was kind of over anyway in terms of you know what they had been you know with Tony Allen and and Zach Randolph. But like I don't think they would go back and say, oh, I wouldn't give Mike Conley that contract that they gave him, or I wouldn't give Marcus all that contract that they gave him. You know, you're never going to get a guy better than Kemba Walker in free agency if you're Charlotte. And so if you have a guy like that who's already there and likes it there and is comfortable there and his teammates like him and he wants to stay, I do it. I, I, I wouldn't have no reservations about giving him that much money. Is he going to be worth the Supermax? No, but there's like five guys in the league who are actually worth the Supermax. And, the, you know, it, it it's one of those things that's kind of created – this you know this artificial you know cap on the salaries because of the max contract you know there are only five guys in the, in the league or, or so you know the guys like you know LeBron and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Giannis and whoever that are actually worth the absolute most money they can get paid but then every team kind of has that slot or you know they have a guy players that matter to that extent Right, exactly. Right, exactly. So I'm total. I I would be totally okay with the Hornets giving Kemba Walker that contract. I still ultimately expect that if they put that on the table, he's going to end up resigning. And if they don't, then maybe he goes somewhere else. I think the Dallas thing's a little yeah. bit interesting. And the timeline stuff is even more interesting with Porzingis, Luca, and then Kemba, and then you have Tim Hardaway. Like, oh God, can you imagine closing games with Tim, Timmy, and uh, Kemba? Oof. I don't know. That could get dicey. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He seems like a... Is he a Carlisle guy? Do you think Carlisle would like coaching Kemba? Because I don't think he would. Well, Carlisle historically has had issues with point guards just in terms of... uh. You know, you know, he he he's the kind of coach, and you know, I remember Rajon Rondo right. had this issue with him, where you know, Carlisle is the kind of coach yes. that likes to micromanage and really be involved yep. in calling every single play, and you know, they, a guy like really Kemba Walker is a Charlotte. guy that it just you think maybe that might be part of why the Carlisle uh, or why the Dennis Smith thing didn't work in Dallas. That yes. and you know, Luca is, but but here's the thing, Kemba isn't going to be the primary playmaker if he's uh, if if he's in Dallas, because that's going to be Luca for the, for the most okay part. With that, though, I don't know if that's something in his DNA. I don't think he can change that. That's who he's well, always been. It's going to depend because I think if he goes there, no, I think he's he goes there and he's like, "Who's this nineteen-year-old? I'm, I'm not. No, he's cool and all, but like, I'm the lead ball handler and I'm closing these games." Is what I, I would guess. Well, I, I, I see. I don't, I don't think see so. going well. I just don't think that's a happy marriage um, down the line. I would stay away from Kimba if I was Dallas. Well, see, here's the thing. I think that, you know, I, th- I think Luca already has enough cachet around the league. And, you know, I think guys already know how good he is and how good he's going to be in the future. That if Kemba decides to go there, and again, it's not a sure thing that he's going to decide to go there. This is just one rumor that got floated four months before free agency that, you know, th- 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 that they're going to be making a run at him. I think if he goes there, he will have already, you know, they will have already kind of figured that stuff out. I don't think it's just going to be cut and dried. Hey, here's a bunch of money. I'm going to go take this money and, 
and go there, he's going to think about fit. He's a guy who's going to have teams going after him, so he's going to be able to pick the best situation and get his money no matter where he goes. And so if he decides to go to Dallas, it's going to be because he thinks he can play with Luka and because he is willing to be the number two guy. Now, whether that happens, I don't know. But if he does go there, I think it's going to be after kind of weighing all this stuff already. But again, I still think he's going to ultimately end up staying in Charlotte when they put the five years on the table. Yeah, I... um. I don't know. And the other thing, too, is like, I think Kimba's like when you are like when you look at Charlotte's drafts the last couple of years and you look at how everything has gone, like the Frank Kaminsky stuff, who gets DMP CDs all the time this year and MKG, who's just barely a rotation guy there at this point. And you look up and down the list and like the Batum stuff didn't work out. And Malik Monk doesn't look like he's going to be a star. And you just you think about all these misses. Cody Zeller's just not the dude he was a couple of years ago. And he was just murdering people on the pick and roll with Kimba like. I think you there is something to just being like, you know what? You know who we did hit on? Kimball Walker. Let's just keep this guy and clean our cap sheet around him. Kind of like what Houston did uh, when they got James Harden. It's like, how about this? How about we do the Daryl Morey thing where we have one star and we clear our cap sheet and we are better about um, not paying guys like Nick Batum and stuff like that and find guys who compliment one of our stars. And then if they're ever come and develop the ones that we have, and then if we can ever trade for another one like we'll be set up and be in a good position to do so because we've developed these other guys and james brago is a great development coach and all that kind of stuff and that's how we get star number two like that i think is a um is a fair fair plan but unfortunately mitch cup mitch Kupchak runs this organization now so i don't think that's gonna happen it's also like do you believe michael jordan's gonna execute a solid rebuild no michael jordan does not care michael jordan is about getting them checks like that is all he cares about they're never gonna go in the luxury tax like there is something to like how he operates and they're just they're a business for him where he he's won his titles he played he's the best of all time he doesn't care if the charlotte hornets ever won a title it's not in his dna he like him as a player is a totally different person than him as an owner and it's kind of like Derek jeter too where i'm just like i think he is just looking at the florida marlins where he's like you know what i uh we're gonna make a lot of money off this organization and then maybe I'll flip it again. But um, I don't know. I think it's complicated it and it will be interesting to see what Kimba does if he gets offered it and does decline. Um, who's he represented by? I don't know off the top of my head. Is it clutch or no? He's not clutch. Okay. That might change soon. Um, because I, man, if there was like, I don't know how this would be received. What do you think the reaction would be if he signed with Los Angeles this summer? Outright. Well, I, Honestly, I think that would be fine. I think that's a good fit next You'd to LeBron. I'm totally right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you hear guys talking about uh, the, the guy you keep hearing talking about, like, oh, this is the perfect guy to put next to LeBron is Damian Lillard. But Damian Lillard has given no indication that right. he wants to leave Portland. And so and he's not going to be a free agent for two more summers after this one anyway. So I don't think that's really a, you know, a realistic thing. To think about, so, you know, Kemba would be maybe like a B-plus level version of that same fit that you could put there. I think that would be a good idea. Now, it's it's just a question of do the Lakers want to tie up their cap with somebody like Kemba right now? Because it sure seems like they aren't going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis this summer. You know, uh, New Orleans has basically made it clear that they don't want to trade him to the Lakers because they uh, just you know they, they don't like the way that they went about trying to force his way there. And then plus, you know, who knows what's going on with this Brandon Ingram stuff and whether they're going to even be able to put him in the deal. And he's like the only one of those guys that has, an, I think, enough value to really be a centerpiece like but and so the, i think the lakers might feel like the only way that they are going to get anthony davis 
is if they wait it out until 2020 and then sign him as a free agent if he still wants to go there. And so if they tie up their cap with Kemba right now, then you get a guy who's pretty good. But, you know, he's a top Kemba's a top 20 player in the NBA. Anthony Davis is a top five player. So it's like, do you want if he wants to go there? Do you want to give him a max? You're already paying LeBron all this money. You're going to have to pay, you know, Ingram and Kuzma in a couple of years. Do you want to tie your money up like that and then not be able to be in the mix for a guy like Anthony Davis down the road? Or do you want to keep your powder dry and try to get Anthony Davis in a couple of years? But then do you LeBron is going to be a couple of years older than by then? It's an interesting decision for them to make. I think you move on from the Anthony Davis stuff. That's not happening. I do too. Yeah. I, I, it seems like that too. I mean, it seems like the Paul George, it, it, it's kind of like the Paul George thing. Cause remember Paul George, you know, decided you put out his thing saying, Oh, I want to go to, I want to get traded from Indiana. And I only want to go to the Lakers and the Lakers are like, well, we're not going to trade for you because we just are going to sign you in free agency. And then he goes to Oklahoma city. He likes it there. He decides to stay in Oklahoma city. I think that for whatever he is, you know, put out there about not wanting to be in Boston or whatever, I think he's going to end up, if he gets traded to Boston, I think he's going to end up resigning there. Or if he gets traded to wherever else, provided it's a pretty good situation where he can win. Uh, I actually wrote before the trade deadline that a team like, hypothetically, you know, Portland or somebody in that tier, Denver, somebody, should do what the Oklahoma City Thunder did with Paul George and just put an offer out there, totally take the gamble that maybe it's just going to be a one and a half year rental, but see if you can convince him to stay and take a swing with a top five guy like that. And I... So I, I'm kind of with you about the Anthony Davis thing not having with the Lakers. Yeah, if I was running the Lakers, I would spend this offseason trying to do everything I can to get Kemba and JJ. I think shooting is just such a huge issue with that group, and some of the lineups they run out is it's not great. And uh, I I think that would be good. I don't. It's obviously not going to win a title, but I think they need to punt on that. I don't think there is an avenue outside of Anthony Davis, uh, and I don't think that's happening, of this team assembling a championship group around LeBron in this four-year window I, I don't think it's possible so if that's the case just put the best possible like cleveland lebron team around him as humanly possible which is kuzma in a couple years will be close to what how they use kevin love in cleveland and then jj is like the right spot up shooter to sign him to a big one or two year deal let him go back to la um and then kimba like the perfect guy to play off ball and lebron just uh, you know lebron would love Kimba Walker's intensity and the way he plays and leadership and all that kind of stuff. Like he's just a pro. And I think he would really value having somebody like that running the show. So I think that's what I would do is don't swing for the big fish. Don't keep striking out and embarrassing yourself. Focus on Kimba, start tampering LeBron's time to start putting up like highlights of remember that Kimba crossover in the big East tournament. Like yeah. that, that's what LeBron should tweet. He should just be like, remember this dude, he was so sick in college. That's what he should do. And just start little breadcrumbs uh, right there. And then just be like, man, JJ should have been an all-star this year. That's what he should say. Be like, man, when we played the Sixers, that guy's the most valuable piece of that Sixers group. Um, That would be my thing. I think they're probably going to end up getting one of those starting five guys, right? Like Tobias, Jimmy, or JJ. I I feel pretty confident one of those three is going to end up on the Lakers this summer. Oh, the idea of Jimmy Butler going there after the Sixers don't want to pay him. That's that I could absolutely see that happening just from from their standpoint, from both sides standpoint of just, you know, the Sixers don't want to pay him. And and the Lakers aren't going to get any of the other big names. I could totally see that. And I can all I can also just say that I would not want to be the team that gives Jimmy his next contract because all those guys that played under Tibbs 
on their third contract, whether you look, you know, the contract that Luol Deng got uh, with the Lakers, the contract that Joakim Noah got with the Knicks, those Tibbs guys who played a lot of minutes under under him, and, you know, Jimmy played even more because he, you know, he played for him in Minnesota also. Like, that's just not going to go well, his next contract. I feel like the decline is going to be pretty steep. I agree. Um, yeah, it's it should be interesting. Am I crazy for saying, though, that the Hornets don't have any core pieces? on their roster after everything like i wouldn't count anyone on this roster as like a core piece right is that outside of kemba you mean i don't even think kim is a core piece but like i don't think they have a core like if kim is gone they certainly don't right and when you think about all their drafts in the last couple of years for them not to have any other guy who you would be like yeah he should be in your core five the hawks have well, three it's... from one draft well, it's the Orlando Magic thing. Yeah. Ever since they traded Dwight Howard, they've just been drafting. And I mean, I think Aaron Gordon's pretty good, but is he, you know, the number one or two guy on a contending team? I don't Absolutely think he not. is. And I think, no. I think Jonathan Isaac is pretty good, but he's a complimentary player. Obama thing isn't working out great so far. But you just look at like throughout the years, you know, Oladipo ended up being good two teams later. Uh, and, you know, Alfred Payton didn't really pan out. Uh, Hazonia didn't pan out. Like, there are so many guys that, that, that they've drafted. The Hornets are kind of in that same boat where they're not bad enough to really tank and get one of the top picks, but they're not good enough to really do anything with the core that they have because they haven't drafted well. I should mention Miles Bridges, though. I like him a lot. He might yeah, be a he's core good. piece. I think he's he, solid. Yeah. I think he, out of anybody else, is the most upside. Um, but yeah, like, and the other underrated part of this is like, the Hornets aren't making the playoffs this year. And I wonder if that's going to be something that pushes Kimba too, where it's like, yeah, it was like, it's one thing for us to make the playoffs and have a somewhat competitive series and then get bounced. But for us, not even to make the playoffs with the amount of money they spend on certain guys, like that is, um, it's that, that makes you feel a little bit more nervous. I think about the trajectory of this team and, but money talks, like you said, him turning it down would be, pretty interesting but the fact that this like it's kind of a we assume that they would just sneak their way into the playoffs and they're not they're seven games under 500 and it's not happening um my sneaky dark horse though for kimba that i would love from a basketball fit is detroit because the way he plays is perfect for what Dwayne casey does which is everybody freelance i'm not calling anything and kimba would love playing for Dwayne Casey like him doing the Kyle Lowry stuff and playing with Blake and that team's not winning a title either but they're winning a lot of a lot of basketball games over the next couple of years like if you could get a competent point guard like Kimball Walker in there with Blake and Drummond like that would that would be fun that's what I would prefer either that or Laker that's where I hope he ends up just to see how he works on a really good basketball team yeah, the Detroit thing is interesting because you know they were going after you know the Mike Conley type of you yes. know th- th- They've had they they are clearly looking to upgrade their their point guard situation. The problem is they just have I don't think they'll be able to afford him this summer because yeah. you know they they're paying they're paying Blake all that money. They're still paying Drummond. They're still paying Reggie Jackson. Those three guys right there. Out Wayne Ellington. I guess yeah. I mean, he already said he wants to come back. He's already been on record. I saw that today. I'm like, you're Wayne Ellington. How do you get to like go out there and just be like, yeah, I'm coming back. I hope the team resigns me. I I'm, I want to be here long term. It's like you've been on like 45 teams in the last three years. Settle down, Wayne Ellington. Well, I mean, if he wants to be there, he's a guy that's not going to cost that much money, and he's a helpful player, so, I mean, I get it. I, I like him, too. Like, he weirdly fell to the rotation in Miami, but he's, like, a dude who literally only takes three-pointers. I love guys who are just like, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. Um, all well, it's that's what Steve Novak was. Yeah. Oh, man. Steve Novak or Wayne Ellington? 
Who is who did you know more about there? Oh, actually, we're forgetting uh, my plus minus hero who plays seven minutes a game every now and then. And he's always like plus 13 and he gets four threes up and he's always three for four from three. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, no. Troy Daniels. Yeah. There, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. He's another one. That dude, I don't understand why he doesn't play more. It's like Anthony Morrow, too, where it's like, I've never seen that guy miss a three-pointer in my life. I don't know why he doesn't play. And then he's just... But he has literally what That's literally his only NBA skill is hitting three-pointers. Hey, you know, it's, it, Anthony Morrow was ahead of his time. Um, I love Anthony Morrow. I covered him for half a season in Chicago. He's just an awesome guy to talk to. I really like him. Really? I wish, I wish he was still in the league just from that standpoint. Mm. So he, was he your favorite bull to talk to? I enjoyed him. I, I think... Uh, out of the guys who were there when I was there more recently, uh, Robin's my guy and Bobby Portis was my guy and now he's not there anymore. Interesting. Bobby Portis. So he's an interesting guy to talk to. You like him. He's Bobby's a funny kid. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, Robin seems like the most natural, um, organic, normal person. He seems. Well, Robin, well, the thing about Robin is he hates talking about basketball. If you are talking you're talking about if you're trying to ask him a, like basketball questions for a story he's going to be useless he's just going to give you like generic answers but but me and he, he and i and, like in the locker room we would just have like conversations about like which old nba jerseys we liked or like every time like a new star wars movie came out i would like ask him if he saw it and he would have very strong opinions about like What's he's the great star wars take uh, I just I, I don't I don't remember like a really strong take, but like he's I wish I was more into comic books because like that that that's really where, where Robin's like bread and butter is in terms of uh like something he has strong opinions about. But I believe the last time I talked I forget which one of those movies he was talking about, but he called something a pompous monstrosity. Which I mean <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. It was probably the most recent Star Wars movie. No, it was like it was some it was some Marvel like comic book movie. Oh. I don't know. I don't know anything about that world? But. I don't either. I don't care. It's all empty. I hate those. Do I, I don't. Well, I just my my problem with all of them is that just they they, they the ones I've seen they just take themselves so seriously. Like, it's yes. like this does not this does not have to be like a two and a half hour super dark super serious like that. I, I really love the DC. I okay. I'll take your word for it. I don't even know the <laughs> difference between the two of them. But I Marvel's I saw the more light hearted one. Marvel is the more like. Oh, let's go have fun and have these little wink, wink at the the audience moments. And we're going to bring this guy in. And it's always world building. And I, I don't like it. I don't like all those movies are just like setting up another movie. I hate that. Well, see, I have barely seen like any of those movies. So I'll You're take your word. Anything. They're all the same. They're all building to the I... Avengers and everything. It's I, I'm going to get we're going to get hate for this um, response to this. But I, I don't care. Sure, You're going to get hate for this. I have no opinion on the matter because mm. I haven't seen these movies i loved the yeah send your emails to chase not to me uh i i i, I loved i saw that the, the the animated spider-man movie that came out and, and i thought that was awesome because it just did not take itself very seriously at all and it was super lighthearted. it was just like as someone who barely knows anything about like that world i found it enjoyable and i was able to follow what was going on and i just thought it was funny and i didn't think it was like like you know, just, it it wasn't so self absorbed and self serious that you know you, you you know you could you couldn't uh, enjoy it if you weren't you know of that world. So I have a strong take for you. Have you seen any of the Spider Man originals from the early two thousands? I saw the first one back when it came out. I haven't seen any of them since. You haven't seen the second one? No, that I did. a great great movie. Um, by the <laughs> way, Spider Man two better than every Marvel movie of the last fifteen years. Um, Spider Man three. Would rather watch it than... I saw that in theaters, I think, like, 25 times because I worked in a movie theater in high school 
and free movies and i just kept going back and being like oh let's go check it out again it wasn't that bad and i kept going back and forth um i did that with cloverfield several times i remember being blown away by the camera presentation there um it was it was fun i i enjoyed all of it um i just dark knight love that series christopher nolan's my dude i it's just no it's not for me i don't like movies like the marvel movies and the the current dc stuff i like realism i like that spider-man felt like a human being um there was just more more stuff and maybe that's why jake gyllenhaal movies are my favorite and like i can watch coen brothers movies and all that kind of stuff like hell or high water is like my favorite movie like last 10 years i don't know if you saw that but um yeah i don't know jake gyllenhaal forever um what's the hardest you've ever laughed in a theater i'm curious what movie like really just 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 tore you up at a theater well, so the thing is, I don't really see that many movies in theaters. Even growing like, up, though, like high school. Uh, I'd have to think about that. Uh, yeah, think about it. I know what it is. And, and I know that there will never be another moment because I'm older now. Like, I was 16. It was the perfect movie at the perfect moment. Super bad. I was, Yeah, that was a good I literally fell out of my chair at moments. It was extremely obnoxious, but that movie is still the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life at that moment. Well, when you're 16, like there it, 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 it's, it's just, it checks every box. Well, it's just like it's just like with bands, like you're never going to like listen to, you know, some new music that hits you the same way that whatever you first discovered when you were 15 or 16 hits you again. Like it's just not going to happen because you get older and you kind of have more, you know, different things that go into it. And you're a Rush guy, right? I'm a big Rush guy. How did you get into Rush? When I was younger, I started playing drums, and uh, you know that kind of leads you to Neil Peart at some point. But yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever listened to a Rush song. I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, so there... the, let me know when we stop recording what song I need to check out first, and that will like the best song for someone who's never listened to them for them to like get into or an album. I prefer listening to a full album. I'll like put. I'll put okay, okay. So if you if you want to do that, I would say the two albums to listen to are uh, they, they were back to back in the early '80s, Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures. They have, I mean, they have like I guarantee you, you know Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Spirit of Radio. Like I guarantee you, if you heard those songs, you would know them. They it, so it's like it kind of has all the elements of because you know all the you know there are other eras you can say okay this was more like this or this was more like this. Those two albums I think are the ones that I would point to any newcomer and say okay if you if you don't like these, you won't like them at all. Interesting. Well, this is a very organic lead into the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, Isaiah Thomas. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Um, I talked to Scott Rafferty, longtime friend of the pod. Very good. That's great. Yes. And he was kind of taken aback that I was like, this it stuff is going to be a a fucking disaster. Like there's no way this dude understands his role in this team. He still thinks he's a star. Like Monte Morris has been great for them shooting over 40% from three. He's been the perfect backup point guard to uh, Jamal Murray. Isaiah Thomas is a high usage guy. There's no way this ends well. And he was like, I don't know. He's it's like, we all want to root for him. But I was like, this is just a terrible. I remember at the time I was like, uh, I don't like him in Denver. They already have like 12 guys there. And I just, I don't know with their team oriented approach that he's going to be able to freelance and do the kind of Isaiah Thomas stuff that he wanted to do. Like, I was just like, this dude not going to Orlando was just, I, I, it made too much sense. He should have been in Orlando in the DJ Augustine spot. Like, that's how he should have spent this year is ge- gearing up and then second half playing for Orlando. Like, that's where he should be playing basketball right now is the Orlando Magic and not Markel Fultz, who will never play basketball ever again, as I will continue to bang this wooden table over. Um, are you at all surprised that Isaiah Thomas is out of the rotation in Denver after, like, five games? 
I was not. I mean, I really didn't know what to expect from him now because last year was just such a lost year with, you know, he gets traded to Cleveland. He doesn't play for like half the year and then he was bad for a month and he gets traded to the Lakers and then has the surgery. So I don't know. I, I he just has, it's it's just been such bad timing for him. The fact that he had that playoffs. He's re- I really wonder what would have been different if he had had the hip surgery instead of playing in the playoffs for Boston in 2017. Because like I think you know it seems like they put that off, and I mean that's both on the Celtics and on him because I think he really wanted to play, and you know he, he you know he wanted to do his part, and I get that. But if he had if they had just taken care of the hip thing then then maybe, you know, maybe his career goes differently then. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, and I think if you're Denver, you know, they are, ha- they have one of the best records in the league already or in the, in the West already, you know, they're number two behind golden state. They're trying to stay in the two seed. You can't really afford at this time to say, okay, we have this high usage guy that hasn't played for half the year. And we're going to try to work him back into the rotation. Now, while we're still trying to fight for a playoff seed, that's just too much. Like that's the kind of thing you want to be able to feel out in training camp at the beginning of the season. Not when you kind of already have your rotation set. And especially because, you know, they were without Will Barton for a lot of the year and now he's back. And so like, I, it just it just is it seems like it's just another case of bad timing for Isaiah. Yeah, and bad choices this offseason. I guess we don't know if Orlando is interested in him. I feel like there were reports back in the day that he was a uh, roommate. I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. It just made too much sense. It's like one of those things where it's like you want to put two people together and you're like, you bu- you deserve each other. This makes too much sense. Go do this. Be in a relationship. You two need to like do this. This this works. It's going to be a happy marriage. I promise. There was never going to be a happy marriage of him in uh, Denver. It didn't make any sense to me. I, I just, you feel bad, but is this it? He's out of the league after this year, right? I think another team will take a shot on him on a minimum deal. Okay. I don't Lakers. know who it'll be. <laughs> well, I mean, he kind of, that, that already happened and I it know, already didn't go well. I mean, maybe, maybe, Le- maybe LeBron likes him, but I but he already had, you know, he already had LeBron last year, and I get, I, I, I mean, LeBron wanted him trade. I, mean, I don't know if LeBron wanted him traded, but I think, you know, that that already kind of didn't work out great. So, I think that's it. I think this this is it. I think Isaiah Thomas is out of the league this summer. No, well, could be. Yeah, sad, but he had his. It it's it's a complicated thing. Someone's going to write a really great story. Could be you, Sean, on the trajectory of Isaiah Thomas's career the last couple of years. That that could be you. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. He couldn't have been worse than Alfred Payton in New Orleans this year, right? Like, that would have been another spot where it's, like, him playing next to Drew Holiday who's fine off ball. Like, maybe that makes things a little bit different for New Orleans. I don't know. They're just they're just a lot better fits for Isaiah Thomas than um, Denver. And that's where I'll leave it. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, the Houston Rockets are are surging. You might say that they're rocketing up the standings, Sean. You might say that. You um, could do that if you wanted to. <laughs> I'll let you do that. I'm not going to do that, but you could okay. do that if you wanted. I, I will do it. Um, they are good at basketball again, and it turns out when the Houston Rockets are healthy, their core guys are healthy, things are good. Who would have who would have ever guessed health was a huge thing for the Houston Rockets in terms of winning a lot of basketball games? Yeah, and I I mean, I always kind of thought it was overblown, the idea that, oh, well, they lost Trevor Ariza, Luke and Ba, Mute, so they're just completely screwed. Now, those, I mean, those guys were helpful, obviously, last year, but really, the thing that what that it was last year is, I, what were they, like, 50? Like, they were some had some ridiculous record when Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella all played. Yes. So, and, and you know, you're kind of starting to see that again. You know, Chris Paul was out for a lot of the year this year, and now he's back, and, you know, he and Harden have basically picked up right where they left off last year. 
And now suddenly you're going from, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was, oh, the mellow thing is a disaster and, you know, their defense has fallen off. And, you know, are they even going to make the playoffs this year? So now it's, you know, they're fighting right. They're right in the mix with uh, with Portland and Oklahoma City in that three, four, five. They actually have the best chance out of any of those teams to maybe even challenge Denver for two. And now we're starting to have that conversation again about, oh, are they the team in the West that's most likely to actually give Golden State a scare in the playoffs? Yeah, I'm not there. It does feel like it's still like the wrong year for them. I, I mean, I last year was the year. Yes. I still think if Paul didn't get hurt during the conference finals, I think they would have won that series and they would have beaten the Cavs. I, I'm not going there. I still would bet on the Warriors winning the series, but it doesn't go the way it does down the stretch. Um, and also, I remember this off season just going back through of like the kind of issues that Chris Paul is dealing with with his injuries, and it's like, oh, this is going to take a long time. Like his age and everything else, like as far as we've come medically, like this is still a huge issue that you, that takes a long time to really heal and it's easily aggravated. And it's stuff that like Chris Paul has some injury types that are just like, this is scary. And obviously with short point guard stuff, we know the history of those guys, but like, I, I think paying him was the right move. I think keeping him in that group because he's really close to PJ Tucker and locker room chemistry is an underrated thing. And like, like you said, like one of the biggest things last year, the story of the season really was when Capella, Chris Paul, and James Harden were on the court together and playing 36 plus minutes a night together, they were almost unbeatable. Like that just, it was a cog that knew each other's strengths. They knew how to play. Chris Paul knew how to play off James Harden. They knew how to stagger minutes. They knew how to make it all work. And people were freaking out, like you said, to Luke Richard and Bamute and um everybody else and it's like yeah that doesn't really matter it's just if they if clint capella gets hurt for a while they're gonna be in trouble they're gonna have to rely on kenneth farid for a month and a half i mean it won't be terrible but they they're gonna have to go bargain hunting for guys like that especially after you pay capella if chris paul's not right well get ready for a lot of austin rivers and there's it, it was just they did some dumb stuff like trying michael carter williams and stuff like that like they did do some weird stuff like they i just that's not that's not easy to defend, but um, Maury just got a big extension. Uh, Dan Tony's probably getting his option picked up this summer. Um, I don't know. I think they're trending back in the right direction. It just, their whole thing is health is if this team's healthy, they're the second best team in the West. And I don't think this is going to be a year where they take the Warriors. I mean, I still don't think the Warriors are winning the title I said that before the season, um, but I don't think they're losing before they get to the NBA finals. I, I will say that. I, it does feel like the Thunder are the closest team to the Warriors this year. Is that crazy? I don't think that's crazy at all. I've liked the Thunder all year. I just, especially, you know, especially if Paul George is healthy because Paul George, you know, he's had this shoulder stuff recently and that's a little bit concerning. So, but if he's, but if he's right, then yeah, I, I like this Oklahoma city team a lot. You know, I, I just think, you know, with the year that George is having and, you know, some of these depth pieces they have at Terrence Ferguson in particular is a guy that I think has made a huge leap. Marquise Morris has fit in well since they picked him up off the buyout market. Uh, they feel like I, I think, last year, right? Where they have two superstars. And... I don't think, I don't think they're quite at, I don't think it's quite at that level because no, that Houston it reminds team you of like, them, right? We're like, this just feels like a good OKC year. We're like, we're going to remember, Oh, things just clicked. Like this is their I, moment. Yes. I mean, that Houston team last year, I think is going to go down with like the 2002 Kings and those like, Oh, like mid 2000 yeah. sun. It's like one of the best teams of the last 20 years to not win a title. Like, I don't think this Oklahoma city team is at that level, but I, you know, they're, they're well coached. I haven't, I haven't always loved, you know, what Billy Donovan does, but I kind of mostly like what he's doing this year. I think Oklahoma City's good. I think either one, either one of those teams, I would still like now again, with the caveat that I said, 
a month ago, I will believe that a LeBron James team doesn't make the playoffs when I see it, and now it's looking like things are headed that way. I will believe the Warriors don't win the West when I see it. Right. But I think Oklahoma City or Houston could at least make a competitive series out of it with with with, with Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I like I still think the Warriors are coming out of the West. I just don't think they're winning the, the NBA Finals. I mean, I've said the Raptors. So who, you, so, so who do you like out of those East teams at this point? Milwaukee or Toronto or uh, Toronto? I'm still in on Milwaukee. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I just, I, I love no, I hear you. I hear you, and that, and that, and that's where I am with Denver too. I know they're in the two seed, but Dude, like if Denver gets San Antonio in the first round, they're losing. That's happening. Denver's it. losing could... to San Antonio. I think Denver is the is the bet is the high seed that's most likely to have home court advantage in the first round and then lose because I mean yeah. it's it's like I need to see it I need to they see that in the playoffs before with this group like that's a big ask for them to go from not in the playoffs to playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals that's right. a huge even, jump even Golden State you know early early on you know they go from you know being terrible for all those years and then they make the playoffs they upset Denver in the first round and then they lose to San Antonio and then the next year you know they have that close series with the Clippers and then they you know bring in Steve Kerr time yeah. Well, right. It, it, it just with with any one of these teams, like it, you, you got to get to you know. Okay, now maybe you know man, now they're going to make the playoffs this year, and that's going to be a good step for them because they haven't made the playoffs since 2013. So they're probably going to lose in the first round, maybe lose in the second round, and then you know next year they probably lose in the second round again, and then after that with this group, you know they've got you know Jokic is going to just be a year older and get better. You know Jamal Murray is already kind of making this leap. So in a couple of years, maybe we start talking about like, oh, okay, can this team seriously challenge for the finals? I just don't think it's it's their time yet. Yeah, I agree. And I think they're the, this is my biggest thing. It's like Chris Herring wrote a great piece on Gary Harris. Was it a year ago now? Um, as like, could I he think be I know which Kawhi? And I don't think that's a possibility for him. But like, I still maintain the belief that he is the X factor and what their ceiling is in the West. If Gary Harris ever like he's had an injury riddled season, it's been a kind of down year. But it's like we know Jamal Murray's gonna be an All Star. We know Jokic is. If they get Gary Harris to All Star level and he gets some All Star teams and may, like just really finds the next gear in the way he plays and is a good closer and takes over. And it's just almost impossible to defend him and Jamal Murray on the perimeter all the time. Like then you're cooking with something, but it's just not this year. It's just something's off with Gary Harris, but um, the bucks is just, they you're telling me that a team that lost their first round series last year is going from that to the NBA finals. I just, I don't, I love Giannis. He's the MVP this year, but I, I don't trust them. I don't trust that group of Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, and down the stretch. I just, like, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. I mean, just, you go up and down the list of what the Raptors have come playoff time. It's the perfect roster for, like, surviving a long playoff stretch. Like, all those guys have been there. All Some of those guys have already won titles. I, I love this Raptors team. I think we're still going to see another gear with Kawhi come playoff time. Um, there's going to be a sense of urgency there because if they don't make the NBA finals, Kawhi staying is increasingly less likely, but if they make the finals, like he's probably staying would be my bet. And if they get there, like we already saw what that Spurs team did against the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago before Kawhi got hurt. And that was a worse roster than what Kawhi has now. And I, I don't know, man, I love the Raptors. I think they're coming and they're still my pick to win the NBA finals. I think out of all this, where you can cross off the Sixers, you can cross off the Celtics. The only You're other just is- completely out on the Celtics already. Yes. You can't fix their problems mid like at this point in the season. Eh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but eh. no, Kyrie is not guiding this team through a long playoff run. That's not happening. I'm with, I'm with you on Philly. I don't think that's happening. Philly just doesn't have the depth. No. Really, just if they get one bad injury to one of their five, it's it's over. Um, they might lose two. Like 
I don't think they're going to lose to Brooklyn, but I think it's going to go seven. Brooklyn's going yeah. to be the ass for them. Yeah, and so, so is Indy for whoever they play. If they play Boston, God. If you, by, if, the way, by the way, I seem to remember the last time you and I did this podcast was right after the Oladipo injury, and I remember you saying, and I disagreed with you at the time, that they needed to just completely tank and bottom out this season. I, well, like they kinda, I, I remember having this conversation, and my rationale was this is not a team that is going to be able to attract free agents, and they already have a superstar in Oladipo. And if they had a blip year, like in San Antonio, where they found a way to get Tim Duncan, and like those teams where they just lucked out and had a bad year at the right time, Cleveland did it. Like There's just... That kind of thing where you get that one year luck and then you just stumble into Zion and then you have Zion and Old Depot for the next 10 years. Yeah, that'd be great. But obviously they're too well coached and they're too strong defensively and they like playing with each other and it wasn't going to happen. But I, I maintain my belief that that was their moment to get Old Depot some potential long term help. And now they will not. OK, fair enough. He, I just I, they have a lot of one year contracts, so maybe they'll they'll have space this summer to sign. I don't even know, but it's, um, I don't know. I, they're, they're interesting. Oh, that just, yeah, that was a, I forgot we had that conversation. Old Depot, I miss watching him play basketball. Do you think you would take the Pacers in a series with the Celtics in round one if Old Depot was healthy? If they had home court? If Old Depot was, I think I would. I think I would too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, it, it it's weird. Um, the last thing, uh, the Blazers are apparently winning the NBA title. You're familiar with this team. Uh, when you saw that, that people are actually predicting this group to win the NBA finals, is it because everyone just? Well, like, okay, well, okay, 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 <laughs> okay. You need to. I think we need to. You know, it's not. You know, NBA. It's not like 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 Zach Lowe isn't out here predicting that the that the Blazers are going to win the title. Like mm-hmm. the, the the TNT guys. I mean, God bless them. I love those guys, but. Those guys are known to for just kind of saying stuff on that show to say stuff, and I mean it. It drove it drove the conversation for a couple of days, but I do not think the Blazers are going to win the NBA title. Where are you on Zach? Collins? I do not think. I think he's good. I think he's can fine. He be a star. I don't know about star. I think he can be a. I think he's a good rotation player. I think he could be a starter on a good team. I don't. I he's he's star maybe. Yeah, no, I like him. I think he's going to be a useful player in the NBA for a long time. You know, I think he, I think he's going to get a lot better defensively. You know, he can shoot it a little bit. I like, I think he's a couple years away from getting, you know, to, to where he's like a consistent starter on a good team. But I, I, I definitely think he's a good NBA player. He's a dick. He's very, um, he's a very large human. Uh, he has good instincts on shot blocking. I, I don't know. I, I like him in a vacuum, but it's just like that lottery pick it's they a- used on him. I don't know. That was it's their last thing. Do you do you love their group? Do you love the Mo Harkless in that spot next to Amino and uh, that group? Is he? Where are you at with that? And the Evan Turner off the bench, like I that lineup. I think what is their lineup that they're murdering people with? I think it's Turner, um, Nurkic, Amino, McCollum, and Lillard, right? Yeah, I mean the 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 thing that the thing that has really helped them this year is the decision to make Evan Turner be their sixth man and not like, cause, cause before, you know, the first couple of years of the Evan Turner contract, which didn't go very well, it did, they didn't go well because they tried to play him with Damon CJ for a lot of the time, you know, and, and, and he's a guy who needs to be the primary ball handler. So this year they've kind of moved him into this other role where, you know, he's coming off the bench and he gets to basically lead the second unit. That's like the perfect role for him. So I, you know, I, I think what they've done this year, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to Terry Stotts for being flexible with, you know, how he does his rotations. And, you know, he's gotten a lot out of this group. And, you know, I think Rodney Hood has actually added a new dimension to, you know, what they can do offensively. He's exactly the kind of guy that Terry always gets good 
good production out of, even though he hadn't really done much in the years before that in Utah and Cleveland. I think this Blazers team, I am not ready to like buy into it the way that, you know, because remember last year, they, they had that incredible month of March where they even won 13 games in a row and it was, oh, are they a serious contender? I think they are about what they were last year where, you know, they're a pretty good team. I think they're going to, you know, they could get out of the first round of the playoffs, but are they a serious contender? I don't think so, but, you know, I kind of like what they have here going. I, I And they're another team, you know, we were talking about with the Hornets earlier. Now the Blazers are obviously a lot better team than the Hornets and, you know, at the, their top level talent is so much better with Lillard, you know, and, and the leap that Nurkic has made. But like, there is not there are worse things than being a pretty good first or second round playoff team every year. And that's kind of what the Blazers are right now. Is CJ McCollum a Blazer two years from now? Uh I will I have no idea. I think I I I've been kind of one of the people who thinks they should try to move him sooner. But the, the thing about the thing about the Blazers that you have to understand, Chase, is Neil Olshay will not trade guys that he's drafted. He's been the he's been the GM of the Blazers for seven years now. He has traded one guy seven? that. Jesus. Yeah, 2012. His first, his his first draft was the Lillard draft, but uh, oh. in 2012, he he has been the GM for seven years. There is he has traded one player who he has drafted. Hold on, let me let me guess who that is. It, Stauskas? No, he didn't draft Stauskas. Uh who would make sense here? Um, not Napier. Um, he didn't draft Napier. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who he's drafted that would make sense that it been on other teams. I got to think about this. Uh, what position? Will Barton. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed Will Barton. He drafted Will Barton. He was a second round pick, and then they just didn't have minutes for him, and they wanted to. And they, this was like the worst timing. You understood the trade at the time, but they that was they got uh that was they traded him to Denver for Aaron Aflalo, and you understood it at the time because that was like oh that, that that trade happened like a week before Wesley Matthews blew out his Achilles, and this was like the last year of like the Lamarcus Batum Robin Lopez uh group, and so they traded for Aflalo because they needed a veteran scorer off the bench. You kind of understood what they were going for there. And they just didn't have minutes for Barton anyway. And so you kind of got it. And then a week later, Wes Matthews blows out his Achilles. And then that team basically falls apart and everybody leaves. But, and then obviously Will Barton goes on to make the leap that he made uh, in Denver. And now he's a starter on the second best team in the West. And, you know, it happens. But my point being, Neil Olshay does not trade away his guys. And he, he, he gets so attached to the guys that he drafted that that's just, is it like, like the idea of trading for him or it's like if I trade one it of my kind of yeah. well exactly that, that that's why he signed Myers Leonard to the contract that he signed him to because because it's a guy that he drafted and he doesn't want to admit that he wasn't you know he was he wasn't that good and so he gave him that contract as like a way of doubling down on it I mean that's to me that's what that's what separates the decent GMs from the great GMs because you know a great GM will be you know understands you know you're gonna hit on some guys you're gonna miss on some guys and you can't you can't just get too attached to a guy but you know Neil Olshay kind of has this mentality of like every single move that he makes is great and you know you can't you can't admit defeat by trading any of your guys at all I don't know huh that's interesting I wonder if there's any other GMs around the league that have this kind of um stubbornness regarding I mean I, I get it but like oh the Myers Leonard thing is that an ironic thing that everybody likes him in Portland? He's just such genuine? a goofball. Like, is that it? well? He's such a goofball. Okay. He has he he's it's one of the, it's one of those things where he's so uncool and he's such a dork that he's like come back around to being cool. Okay. Like he has his own he has his own clothing brand and Does like he, he calls really? himself the hammer. Yeah, yeah. Go on Instagram and search Myers Leonard brand. I will not do that, but I, I will take your word. <laughs> actually, 
he has a, he has a clothing brand, and you know he calls himself the Hammer. He has a, like a hammer, a giant hammer that he carries around, and it's one of those things where like it's so uncool and it's so dorky that everybody like kind of goes with it as a joke. But then it like we've been doing it for so long that everybody's just like, oh yeah, actually Myers Leonard is cool because like he's so self aware about who he is and how corny he is that it, like it comes back around to being cool. Interesting. Okay, that's kind of what that is. Well, now I know, and now the listeners know that when you're surfing Twitter and you're like, why is there a lot of Myers Leonard love on my timeline? It's because of that very reason. Sean Hyken, is there anything we need to read from you this week before we get out of here? Uh, I've got a few things coming out over the next few weeks on Bleacher Report. I will, if you just follow me on Twitter at Hyken, I will plug those when they come out. Uh, I don't know the exact timeline on a lot of those, but uh, just, you know, I'll keep you guys posted. All right. Well, I appreciate you making the time as always, sir. It's it's great talking basketball with you. So we will uh, have to talk again soon. Yeah, good to talk to you, Chase. Thanks, buddy. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.